Hey, what's up? You're listening to the Hammer and Nigel Show podcast. Thanks for checking it out and make sure you subscribed. Hammer and Nigel. Can you believe these characters are weirdos? On 93 WIBC. So let's rock it. Hey now, it's the Hammer and Nigel Show. I'm Jason Hammer. Big Nige is out. Tony Kennett from Chalkboard Review filling in. And Tony, man, I hate starting an hour like this, but this Purdue murder, it's just getting to me. I think it's the dad in me coming out because, I don't know, I I kind of see some similarities between my youngest son and this kid that was murdered in his dorm room at Purdue. A super smart kid was doing the academic clubs, sounded like the parents had done everything they can to put this kid in a position to succeed, and his roommate, for whatever reason, uh, allegedly murders him. He's been charged with it, and I can't stop thinking about this story. I don't know anybody involved. I know the kid was a local product from Park Tudor, but it's just, it's kind of got to me a little bit. I mean, it's bewildering where we're at a point in our society where uh, there's an individual that had access to his dorm room and was able to stab this this victim, this young man who had such a bright future ahead of him, clearly. And not one where you have to kind of make it sound like his life was more than it was. No, this is a clear case of a young man who was going on to do some incredible things. And his life was cut short, and there, there are no suspects. No one has any idea what happened, but I guess people just had access to the dorm room. Well, it was the roommate that's been arrested in connection to the death, and he was the one that made the 911 call, but we don't have a motive yet. And it's just an unfortunate situation that we're going to need more answers. And I've always tried to, before I rush to judge things, right. you know, we, if we've learned anything from Jesse Smollett to the Kavanaugh situation to Nicholas Sandman to Kyle Rittenhouse, don't rush the judge. And I'm trying not to do that here, but man, I just see a lot of stuff uh, that is similar to my youngest and this kid that lost his life. The kid that lost his life was a Park Tudor product and was a semifinalist in the National Merit Scholarship Program. He was a candidate for the U.S. Presidential Scholars Program in 2020. He competed in Science Bowl, Math Olympiads, Science Olympiads, was doing great things at Purdue. And now he's no longer with us, Tony, and we don't know why. And as a former STEM teacher, just the kind of stuff that they're doing these days in Science Bowl and in Science Olympiads is incredible. Uh, to, to see, um, to, to use a, a classic expression that I think is very fitting here, such a bright light extinguished so quickly uh, is a terrible loss for both, uh, obviously, his family and the community and then Indiana and the country at large. It's absolutely horrible. I know there was a big candlelight vigil last night uh, up in West Lafayette at Purdue. Uh, so, again, I'm curious to find out if we find out any motives for this killing here in the next couple of days. Uh, meanwhile, here in Marion County, another violent night. This is not a repeat. Uh, this is a new violent night here in Marion County. Four people were shot, two fatally, in separate double shootings overnight. This is according to the IMPD. So let's start near the Martindale-Brightwood area. Two people were shot, one killed. The police and medics, they were called to a report of a shooting around 1110 on the 2600 block of Hillsdale Drive. That's the residential area north of the intersection of, I think, East 25th and North Keystone, if I'm thinking of this correctly. Yeah. Uh, officers found two men with gunshot injuries. One man was taken to the hospital in critical condition. The other man died at the scene. 
Meanwhile, just a little bit later on, around 3 a.m., two people were shot, one killed on the far east side. Um, the East District officers found one man shot in a parking lot of a gas station near 38th and Post. Uh, the man was transported to the hospital in stable condition. Short time later, police found a second man with gunshot wounds in the parking lot of the 9,000 block of 38th Place. That's an apartment complex about a half mile west of the scene of the first shooting. Uh, that person died at the scene. Now, homicide detectives believe those two shootings on the east side may be connected. And Tony, the thing that Nigel and I talk about quite a bit is it feels like when we talk about these stories, people have almost become numb to it. Like you expect to have multiple homicides, multiple double shootings every night now in Indianapolis. And, and that's an incredible tragedy because Indianapolis is unique as a major metropolitan city outside of Chicago in these specific issues and perhaps St. Louis. Indianapolis per capita is has actually beat Chicago as the most violent city in the United States. And then we look at our prosecutor and we look at Mayor Hogsett and we look at the policies that they've put in place to keep violent criminals on the streets and, of course, redirecting police efforts in ways that often hinder them and things like that. It's incredibly distressing to people of Indianapolis to see their city fall into such horrible, violent, just useless crime. And the thing that rubs me the wrong way is when you hear folks from the mayor's office or the prosecutor's office doing a victory lap because the crime is down compared to a year ago. Well, a year ago was a record homicide that featured one massive shooting at the FedEx facility, a mass casualty event. There were a couple other mass shootings that took place throughout the year, but compared to last year, things seem to be great. You're not supposed to set a record every single year. Ask anybody who lives in Indianapolis if you feel more safe this year compared to a year ago. I don't think you're going to find many people who are signing up saying, yeah, things have really turned a corner in the city. I think we're making a lot of progress here. You take away some of these mass shootings from a year ago, it looks like we're pretty much on pace from last year and the year before. Right. We're on pace for over 200 homicides again. That's not okay. And this is my key issue when we look at the the campaigns for elections this fall. And you see that a lot of Democrat candidates in Indiana are running forward with this. Abortion is the most incredibly important issue to Indiana citizens, and all Hoosiers are really concerned about abortion and the mean old Republicans. That's not what the polls are showing. That's not what the streets are showing. It looks like to me, based on how the political polls have come out so far in this election season, that Hoosiers are most concerned about crime. They're concerned about people being shot in the street every single night. Tell you what, I'd like to see the mayor's office take a victory lap after we've had a week without some shootings in the city of Indianapolis. I would like to see we actually focus on some specific issues that are actually of concern to Hoosiers that aren't going to leave them riddled in the middle of the street bleeding everywhere. You're right. You're right. And as we get closer and closer to the midterm election and the prosecutor's race is on the ballot in Marion County, Rob Kendall and I say this all the time. Nigel said it before. Don't vote straight ticket. I don't care if you're a Republican or a Democrat. Just do not vote straight ticket. If you're a Republican and there's a Democrat that's a local councilman or something that's doing a good job for you, it's okay to vote for him. And if you're a Democrat, and you hate everything that Todd Young stands for or any one of these folks on a statewide race, 
it's okay to vote against them. But when it comes to the prosecutor race, you don't have to vote for Ryan Mears. Because I think Ryan Mears is going to be the benefactor of straight ticket voting in Marion County. People who have always just voted Democrat, they will just walk into the ballot booth, just type in straight party ticket. And guys like Ryan Mears, who don't deserve to be elected to this position that he was never elected to in the first place right. are going to be the benefactors of this. And and that just is beyond, uh, it's an atrocity to me to look at, at individuals who claim that they're getting involved in the political system, then they waltz forward and just vote straight ticket. You have a responsibility as a citizen of this republic to learn who the candidates are that you are or aren't voting for. And that's both sides. There are some Republicans that are real zeros. Absolutely. Let's be 100% honest here. There are some Republicans that are total zeros. Some that are running in the uh, Indiana races right now. I'm actually hopping on with Rob Kendall tomorrow morning to talk about that. There is a lot of stuff that needs to be looked at, and you don't need to vote straight party to show that thing forward. And by the way, this is also why primaries are so important. You want a better candidate for your party, you got to get out there before the November election. 100%. Your local elections matter so much more than the federal or the congressional ever will. And I know for a fact there's some Democrat business owners who in the past have made donations to Democratic candidates they're not happy with what they're seeing from the prosecutor's office. I can only hope and pray, though, that when they go to vote, it's not a straight ticket because that's what they've always done, right. just why would, voting Democrat. Why would I go visit their businesses if it's in a violent part of town? I'm not going to go out with my wife and child out to their part of town if I have a chance that we might get shot. On Twitter, at Hammer and Nigel, in regards to the city of Indianapolis and folks trying to say, well, the crime is down, Raymond sends us a tweet. It's the uh, gif of Leslie Nielsen <laughs> from The Naked Gun, Frank Drebin. Nothing to see here, as the fireworks store is literally exploding and on fire in the background. Yeah, this is mostly peaceful violence. Mostly peaceful, that's right. No way, and I would do you're listening to the Hammer and Nigel Show on 93 WIBC. A good producer's worth his weight in gold, huh? So I told Kyle, we need something sausage-related. He's like, meatloaf, it's the best I can do. <laughs> uh, it's the Hammer and Nigel Show. I'm Jason Hammer. Tony Kennett's in for Big Nige. October is Sausage Month. Did you know that? If you didn't know that, you need to know that. Mark LaFay is here from Old Major. Mark, how you doing, man? Hi, man. I'm doing great. How are you doing? Man, I'm excited. I have been looking forward to this segment all week because anytime we can talk sausage, it's amazing. By the way, the amount of wiener jokes that were made during the commercial break in this studio, <laughs> thank God the mics weren't hot. Uh, tell us a little bit about Old Major. Yeah, so I started uh, Old Major about seven years ago here in Indianapolis, Indiana. We are a, uh, an artisanal producer of um, sausage and bacon. Uh, that's our, our specialty. We are probably the only um, USDA inspected facility in the state of Indiana that specializes in just sausage and bacon. That's so. fantastic. You had me right there. Absolutely. Like, this is the scene in Jerry Maguire. You had me at hello, sausage and bacon. We specialize in it. That's right. Yep. Yeah, it's a, it's a dream gig for most. <laughs> Where is it located at? So we're a virtual shop. We uh, we actually started the business with the, the idea of never having an actual brick and mortar. Uh, so we're lo our production facility is located in Meridian Kessler. We're actually in the middle of a, uh, an expansion uh, where our new uh, production facility is going to be off Millersville Road uh, between Keystone and 46th Street. So, uh, you know, we've been growing out of about 800 square feet. And we're finally going to expand to about 4,000. Congratulations. Thank you very much. It's stressful and exciting. So how 
are the farmers that you work with? Are they all Indiana it's, farmers? It's all it's all Hoosier. Yeah, pending uh, pandemic-driven supply chain issues. Uh, yeah, all of our proteins come from Indiana. We work with farmers that finish their animals without antibiotics and hormones, uh, and all of our products are clean label. Um, so yeah, it's uh, it's good stuff. It's the good stuff. It's the good it's stuff. The good stuff. <laughs> Capital V. So how has it been trying to get through not only the pandemic but then the supply chain issue and then inflation? It feels like this has been the worst four year run to be a business owner. Yeah, you know, I mean, we're because we're virtual. You know, before the pandemic, people always wonder well, what the heck is a virtual butcher shop. And then all of a sudden, everybody was getting their grocery deliver, groceries delivered and like, oh, that's what a virtual butcher shop is. So, you know, the pandemic years were actually pretty great for us in a lot of senses because, you know, we were already structured to be able to do zero contact pickup. We were doing home deliveries, things like that. And our whole business was built off of direct-to-consumer retail. So, so you, got like, you guys were like ahead of the time on that then. I, I, I mean, yeah. I mean, how do you plan for a pandemic? I mean, you don't. I mean, it was just mm -hmm. dumb luck. But... Um, but, you know, it, what's been interesting has been the transition out of that is everybody has been, you know, doing their revenge travel this year and all the other craziness. <laughs> it's, uh, it's, it's been interesting. So, you know, people are back into their normal routines. And so, um, you know, it's allowed us to, to really start to adjust and, and pivot, um, you know, focus more on getting into uh, restaurants and food service and things like that. And so we've had some success there. And yeah, so I don't know. It's been interesting. Fun. Mark LaFay is our guest from Old Major. Uh, October is Sausage Month. What are like some of your best sellers? What are the items that most people come to you and keep coming back for? So our our bacon, our traditional bacon, is our number one seller. That's right, Amen. That's, yes. So there, there was actually a Harvard study um, about ten years ago where they they pulled about ten thousand Americans to see uh, who ate bacon and who didn't. They found that ninety percent of respondents responded yes. They ate bacon. The other ten percent they found were liars. So <laughs> we, I like it. We were uh, so. So our bacon's our bacon's popular now on the sausage side, um, you know. I mean, at the end of the day, we're in we're in Indiana and we like our bratwurst. And if you've got cheese that's in it, right. then put it in my mouth. So, um, <laughs> no, so that's, that's why Sausage Month is in October. Hot dogs are great for summer, but when Hoosiers get to fall, when you go to the high school football game, you need a brat to enjoy yes. the game properly. Yeah, so sometimes a hot dog just isn't enough. You need to up the ante a little bit. Some mustard, some onions. Oh, praise the Lord. Do you guys have like? Uh, packages that you sell like like a monthly deal or somebody wants to buy something maybe that'll last them for a little while or just add my house to your delivery <laughs> route we can do all of that yeah we do um uh, we do have uh subscription boxes we we tend to offer those around the holidays uh you know we do ship all over the country we've got 63 different sausage flavors um we've got about 20 63 yeah it grows it grows a lot wow yeah. what's the weirdest flavor you got well pumpkin spice well we do so here's the deal we have a pumpkin spice bacon get out of here ask. you had to ask it really comes out, oh yeah man because i'm basic so like <laughs> next uh next week uh it actually hits the market again so does it come with a little pair of uggs that you can wear when you walk around and eat it it does yeah in a sweater vest <laughs> um yeah so we uh we've got i don't know we are, i would say our our, our quirkiest or most unique sausage uh pork sausage with bacon fresh pear and gorgonzola cheese um, but we, you know, we, we, I would say if you look at our sausage, uh, list, I mean, it's, there's a split right down the middle. We've got the whimsical stuff like that. And then we have the stuff that's true to style. So, you know, Wisconsin brought a veal bratwurst, um, you know, boarwurst from South Africa, Langanitsa from Chile, thing, things like that. Kyle, how is it that Mark can say, look at my sausage and nobody says anything, but I say it, I have to go to HR. Why is that? Well, you're still not allowed in that. Kmart. <laughs> I, that, that was traumatic for everyone. I don't um, know, man. I'm still thinking about pumpkin spice bacon over yeah, here. Listen, it says it's as if a cinnamon butter. 
bun and a pig had a love child. <laughs> Wait, but you said you said it, the the brat with with pear and gorgonzola cheese sounds like a charcuterie board in a bun. It's delicious. So it was a riff on my favorite sa- sandwich from uh, Chatham Tap. Uh, which was a, a pear melt. So, yeah, I mean, we here's the deal. Like, a lot of the crazy flavors typically come about after we've had about three or four beers. Like, man, let's put that in a sausage. <laughs> right. Yeah. That's when all men start doing their best and worst thinking. Well, I'll tell you what, man, that's when people want the brats. Like, after I've had a couple beers, I'm like, man, I need something to eat. What would sound good right now? You're catering to the audience, man. I dig that. Absolutely. Uh, we're going to try some uh, sausages here. What do you got? Uh, so this is our beer brat. Where, so this is a seasonal brat for us. We, uh, we took... Uh, Champagne velvet from Upland. We put it. Oh, in, I've had uh, champagne velvet. It's, yeah, it's the beer with the million dollar flavor. So, <laughs> uh, so we took the beer with the million dollar flavor and we paired it with the sausage with the million dollar sizzle. And there Ooh. you have it. So okay, pass right one there. of these bad boys over here. We're gonna do this. Let's go. do it on Here's the air. One sausage for you. Here is one sausage. All right, for you. Tony. Make for sure the you hold that up on the, the camera because oh, you're you on the screen here. Um, if somebody wants to make an order or get more information, how do they do that? Sure. So go to oldmajormarket.com. You can buy from us there. Uh, we have local delivery options, local pickup options. We do nationwide shipping. You can also see us at the farmers markets. We're at three winter markets: the downtown Indy, Broad Ripple, and Carmel winter markets. Uh, and then we have yeah, weekly pickup at our uh, production facility. So uh, these these brats here are uh, they're one of my favorites. You can get them at actually at all Upland locations right now. Uh, Big Woods Brewery, uh, Hard Truth locations, um, Moon Town uh, up in White's Whitestown. There's a bunch of different places that have it on the menu. So uh, and I bake these. I like awesome. To, I like to bake my sausage. Oh, I'll tell you what. We're going to tear into these bad boys. Again, check out Old Major. Look for it online. Old Major. Mark is the owner. Mark LaFay. October is sausage month. Mark, you're the man, man. Thank you for coming in. Thank oh you for bringing goodness. us some stuff. Thank you for having me. This tastes like a Shenandoah Raiders touchdown, man. Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> it's the Hammer and Nigel Show. You're listening to The Hammer and Nigel Show on 93 WIBC. Hammer and Nigel Show rolling with you on a Thursday. I'm Jason Hammer. Tony Kennett filling in for Big Nige. So OPEC jolting the oil markets with a plan to cut the output. The coalition of OPEC, Russia, and the Allied producers announced cuts of 2 million barrels per day in Vienna starting in November 2022. So if you think the gas prices are high right now, to quote Joe Biden, get ready, pal. I mean, this is my question at the end of the day. So the administration's always going on about how we need to take some temporary sacrifices in order to outlast this whole Ukraine situation. Well, this is worth it because, you know, we just got to take some personal responsibility. We'll make it through. But yet they never take a few minutes to just drill for some extra oil. They never make the sacrifice to say, yeah, well, we really care about reducing oil, but we're going to produce a little more right now because Americans need it. No, we make Americans pay the price. OPEC cuts us off and we end up paying more at the pump yet again. And when you look at the possible moves that Captain Hair Sniffer can make here, you know, he could restore the Keystone Pipeline. You could get that going again, but we're not going to do that. Uh, He could lift some of these regulations and restrictions on new domestic energy production. 
No, no, not going to do he that. Could just, he could just reverse the open goal that his administration has stated, that he's going to make U.S. oil and gas production eliminated from our, our future. He could simply say, look, we have to count on it for right now. But he's not even willing to do that. No, no, silly. Why would he want to do that when you could just get a little bit more from the reserve and lift sanctions on our close personal friends in Venezuela? You know, Venezuela, where they've got just a horrific dictator and things are horrible, and we really don't want people coming from Venezuela into our country. Yeah, let's partner with those guys. Let's lift some sanctions over there. What could possibly go wrong? Isn't that one of those totalitarian regimes that also treats all of the socially oppressed classes that Biden's administration claims to support? Isn't that totalitarian, isn't that totalitarian regime one of those that executes those individuals in the streets? Why, yes, Tony, it is. It 100%. It seems as though we've liked our standards so much we've doubled them and now biden's going to release 10 million barrels from the strategic uh, reserve due to the opec cuts and they're going to lift some sanctions on venezuela so you factor all this stuff going in and now this just came across social media not that long ago Zelensky in the ukraine has put this video out asking for the nato allies to preemptively bomb russia just so Vladimir Putin cannot have his nuclear attacks. Preemptively bomb. What kind of nation is uh, Russia? What is that? Oh, it's a global nuclear power that has one of the largest stockpiles of nuclear weapons on planet Earth. There's no way we're going to bomb every single site, even if we knew where they all were. It just doesn't work like that. So we've gone from we've got to help Ukraine, we've got to help these refugees, they've got nowhere to go, big bad Putin is bossing around the Ukrainians, here's some aid, here's a few weapons to fight back to him doing magazine covers with his wife and saying, hey, since you guys are giving us millions after millions of dollars, why don't you guys just go ahead and bomb Russia for us too? How did we get from point A to point B here? Well, at least if we're flirting from, uh, at least if we're flirting on the idea of a global nuclear war, at least we're capping and, and making sure that our strategic petroleum <laughs> reserve is full. It, well, oh, about wait, that. It's not. It's almost empty. It's at record lows because we can't run a country. We can't defend our own citizens. We can't act on the global stage. We can't put food in our own soldiers' mouths. Referencing the, the food stamp suggestion from the administration not too long ago. I mean, you talk about point A to point B. I say that all began when the average American started believing that what a president tweets is more important than what policies he puts in place. You're right. You're 100% right. And again, because I know what's going to happen. All the folks on Twitter that have the Ukrainian flag in their bio oh, so and, and the pronouns in their description are going to come at you for saying, well, I can't believe you're supporting Russia in this. No, I am? I'm not. No, I don't like Vladimir Putin. Truth be told, between friends, I hope he dies of an STD. But at the same time, I do not want to keep giving an allowance to Ukraine. I do not want us to get involved mi militarily for a couple countries, one for sure that doesn't like us, and another one that's taking advantage of us. I don't want to be a part of that. Help me out, Hammer. What is Russia's number one export on the global market? Uh, other than Bullwinkle cartoons with Natasha. <laughs> Oil, right? 
So Russia's putting out a lot of oil. If you really wanted to do a lot of damage to Putin on the economic scale without, you know, starting global thermonuclear war, uh, a trifle of a thing, one might say, you might produce a lot of oil domestically, which we have, sell it on the global market after our citizens are fed and, you know, taken care of, and then you end up shorting him. That's an economic solution. It's one the United States has used in markets all the way back to the car, the cotton market post-Civil War uh, when dealing with the Ottoman Empire. So these are strategies that have worked before, but we're ignoring them now because, I guess, you know, Greta Thunberg runs our climate and energy <laughs> policy. And you know what? I'm not even mad at Zelensky for asking. Shoot your shot, right? When my son co-hosted one day, he asked Tommy Lahren to prom. Shoot your shot, kid. I'm not even mad at you. Uh, I was bold. <laughs> If you're Zelensky, why wouldn't you ask the NATO allies to do this? Because they have put you up on a pedestal right now to the point where you can do no wrong. There has to be a point in time where you look at Ukraine, you look at Zelensky and say, we've given you enough. We've given you weapons. We've given you a lot of money. We're not doing this anymore. You're cut off. It's like when your freeloading kid doesn't want to leave the house. You're 24 years old. Go get a job. Leave the house. I'm kind of at that stage right now with Zelensky in the Ukraine. And I think that in addition to that, something that's really annoyed me is that there was never any fair coverage of this to begin with. Uh, it was always an either you have to be so extremely supportive of Ukraine that all of your shirts are yellow and blue and, and you know, you don't buy any Russian products and you walk around the street saying, I am pro-Ukraine all the time. And if you don't have that level of enthusiasm, you must support Russia. And you are also all of these other bad words that I looked up in my thesaurus for <laughs> evil. And I don't care for that very much because now that the stakes are getting higher there really isn't much you can add to the conversation that's going to change someone's mind because you've already made the choice for an individual between, oh, you're either a fascist Nazi or you're a heroic defender of democracy. And right. there's no in between. Tony Kennett filling in for Big Nige. Tony's from Chalkboard Review, one of the uh, co-founders of Chalkboard Review. You were on with Laura Ingram on her program on Fox News last night. How was that? Uh, that was great. Laura's got an excellent crew. It's always great to talk about education stories, uh, mainly uh, that a lot of the largest uh, metropolitan school districts around the country are spending close to or over $30,000 a year per student. And yet in many of those districts, like in Chicago, uh, less than like 15% of their students can read on grade level. So you've got kids walking around that are being passed through the district that can't read. And yet we're spending all of that money and they keep trying the exact same thing over and over. And shocker, it's not working. What have you noticed from school board races here in Indiana? Again, we're just about a month away from midterm elections. And in Indiana, there's no R or D next to your name yeah. when you run for a school board seat. What have you noticed from a lot of these races? Well, first of all, I've noticed that it's incredibly overdramatized. So I, I unfortunately spend a lot of my uh, time uh, when I'm looking at, you know, political situation in the state on Twitter, because that's where a lot of candidates make open statements. That's where you get it from first. And what I've noticed is, is the number of people who claim that either person on either side or just these incredible manifestations of Satan incarnate. Uh, or that, you know, this other individual is, is a wonderful, super-duper hero. And what I've encouraged parents to do, first of all, you should know who's running for school board. It should not be a local popularity contest between soccer moms. That's and that's what it, what it usually 90s. comes down yeah. to, man. And this is something that cannot stand, especially with all of the chaos going on in education. So what I've told individuals before is you need to figure out who is the individual that is upholding the status quo, because there's always in an election, there's someone who is the status quo party. And then in this case, we have a lot of individuals who are 
suggesting change one way or the other. Find out if you like the change the person's bringing forward. If you don't like status quoism, don't vote for the status quo. How do you find that out? Because I think there's a lot of our listeners right now that are like, yes, Tony, I agree with you 100%, but I work nine to five. You know, I listen to Hammer and Nigel when I come home or I listen on a podcast. I don't know these people. How can I do a little research here? Well, let's talk the easiest way to, to figure this stuff out is actually getting on social media and find out who people are talking about. And I say that not ironically. There was a time when you would come home, you'd pick up the paper and you'd see who's running. Uh, unless you're going to go knock on doors around to your neighbors and ask who they think they sh- you should vote for for school board races. I recommend that uh, you actually reach out to some of these candidates and ask them some questions and i would be very cautious uh i would in fact start to you know smell something fishy if they start giving you a bunch of buzzwords well we just believe in the value of all children and we believe that schools should be a wonderfully safe if they speak in cliches they're full of crap Yeah, if they talk like it's npr at 7 30 in the morning (laughs) they're not they're probably not taking the conversation with you seriously. Give them situations. Actually give them hypotheticals and talk to them about issues that are of concern to you. And if they don't give you an answer, if they give you that runaround crap of, well, that's something that will certainly be addressed. Or, oh, don't vote for him. That will, right. Oh, well, that will be addressed. No, it won't. If they're telling you something in some vague terms, no, they're not actually going to pay any attention to you at all. Don't vote for them. Don't encourage other people to vote for them. They don't care about you at all. And it's not stalking. It's called doing research. You can find most of these people on social media. Scroll through their feed. If you're running See what for they're public into. office, then you have elected to put your life on the center stage. That's, you know, incredibly important. That's something that I've encouraged people to do for a long time. How you act out in public is going to be some representation of how you act in uh, office. Tony Kennett filling in for Big Nige. It's the Hammer and Nigel Show. Uh, if I may, can I have a moment of personal privilege here, Mr. Tony? Oh, by all means. Uh, I had a dad moment. Like, I heard cats in the cradle in my head when I got my son's senior pictures back. And uh, I posted them on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. My oldest, Chris, he's an intern with us this semester. He's a senior in high school. He uh, was a co-host for one of the days that Nigel was gone. I uh, got the senior pictures back. If you want to see them, again, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Just look for Hammer and Nigel. Uh, my guy, Mike Turner. Mike Turner Photography did just an amazing job, like capturing everything that this kid's about. Politics, being by the water, baseball, like it was such a good job. And if anybody needs like senior pictures done or I guess pictures of any kind, uh, I've got the contact info on our social media, Mike Turner Photography. There's a link there. And if anybody says Hammer and Nigel sent me, you'll get a discount on your photography package. So again, shout out, did a great job. And they've also got a promotion going to where if anybody knows a current high school junior They're looking for some folks to be like photo reps for next year for senior pictures to where you could get uh, some free and amazing discount senior pictures. So, again, all of that information is on our Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Shout out to Mike Turner Photography. Thank you very much. When we come back, we got some polling out Our pal Abdul has been a lean, mean polling machine. Man, eats and breathes data. (laughs) He does. We've got a lot of stuff to break down. We'll talk about that next. Hammer and Nigel. Do you believe these characters are weirdos? On 93 WIBC. So let's rock it.
So we got a lot of stuff going on here. My name is Jason Hammer, Tony Kennett of Chalkboard Review, filling in for Big Nige. Ben Sass, Senator from Nebraska, resigning from his position. That's going on. Also, the Washington Post tweeted, quote, exclusive federal agents see enough evidence to charge Hunter Biden with tax and gun purchase crimes people familiar with the case say. So, Tony, we were talking about this during the commercial break. And Mondo, TK Dub, our producer, what was the question that you asked us? Does this mean that Hunter Biden will finally get into trouble? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Kyle, you and your drugs. No, no, he's a Biden. It's Biden's Department of Justice. It's Biden's FBI. This is just kind of going through the motions a little bit. Should he be charged? Absolutely. Should he be convicted? Absolutely. But will he? No, no. You know me, Tony. I'm a betting man. I've got two betting shows on TV. I've got one on the radio. I've been doing this for a while. I'd bet pretty much everything I own that Hunter Biden's never going to see the inside of a jail cell. No, of course not. They're, they're willing to raid. The FBI is willing to raid and arrest individuals that run uh, pillow companies and are you know willing to arrest uh, those who protest outside of abortion clinics that are literally looking like the cast of like a local Baptist potluck. Uh, But when it comes to actually arresting individuals that have uh, committed a lot of serious crimes, many of those on camera, many of those that he's talked about in public, uh, of course he's not going to be arrested because we have to make sure that there is absolutely nothing that could possibly stand in the way of his royal dimensionist being reelected. So that's all going on. That's all came out within the last hour. Let's bring it back a little closer to home here. Our pal Abdul, the man behind IndiePolitics.org. I love to have Abdul on the show, and Friday is his day with us. He'll join us tomorrow to break a lot of this down. But Abdul's one of those guys where when he comes on our show, people will say, oh, man, I love it when Abdul comes on, or God, I hate that guy. I hate that smug, arrogant SOB. Usually they say that about me. You're hurting my feelings. (laughs) Uh, So Abdul will be on with us tomorrow, but his outlet, IndiePolitics.org, they've been doing a lot of polling leading up to the midterms. So we're going to go through some of these today then abdul will come in tomorrow and break them down uh released today a survey conducted by indy politics and arw strategies of likely voters in marion county this was between september 25th and 26th showed that not a lot of people are excited for a possible third term of mayor joe hogsett now he's not on the ballot coming up in about 30 plus days but there's chatter that he might be running again to become the mayor of indianapolis why because he didn't get a cush gig with the biden administration and he's really got nowhere else to go but the numbers show just 35 percent of voters believe that mayor joe hogsett deserves to be re-elected for a third term 29% saying he doesn't deserve re-election, and 37% are unsure. Now, that's a pretty big unsure number right there, 37. And again, Marion County, very blue, right? dark blue, straight Democrat blue. But knowing all that, that's not uh, an encouraging sign if your boss Hawk said, is it? 
It really isn't, but I'll, I'll say this. Uh, it's kind of difficult to do polls and keep number averages like this correct when all of the constituents that would be voting for Hogshead keep dying in shootings across the city of Indianapolis. Oh, <laughs> okay. All right. I like what's going on here. Tony Kennett bringing the heat. I like it. I'm here for this. Uh, breaking down some of these numbers here, for those who are unsure about the mayor's re-election. And again, that was a pretty big number, 37% that were unsure. 24% say crime is the most important issue in Indianapolis, followed by infrastructure at 17%, and making health care more accessible and affordable at 15%. This was a poll of 300 likely voters in Marion County of both political parties, and the margin of error is about plus minus 5.6%. So you can see what I'm doing here on the live stream. You'll see that I actually haven't flipped to this page in kind of the outline for today's show yet. Remember earlier on in the show when I said, wow, I was shocked that abortion is not the biggest issue, it's crime. And oh, hey, look, here's what the polls say. Crime is the most important issue to Indianapolis voters. What a shock. You think that someone who the citizens of Indianapolis elected to protect them would do just that. But no, he's busy gloating over building red bus lines. And again, I'm waiting for someone in the Indianapolis media to ask Joe Hogsett to his face, where were you those two nights of riots? All these little butt sniffers refuse to do it. Nobody wants to do it. The only person I know that's asked him to his face where he was was my dad. So again, that's going to be a big topic of discussion when he decides to run again, because I think he is. But that's not this election. Let's focus on this election. Another poll from Indy Politics shows that Diego Morales may be in trouble. Democrat Destiny Scott Wells leads Republican Diego Morales by around four points, 36% to 32%, but the margin of error is 4%. Now, this was a poll of 600 likely voters in Marion County. Um, so this is a larger sample size here. Uh, where are we at with Destiny Wells and Diego Morales? So I'm actually coming on with Rob tomorrow to go into the whole Diego Morales situation because for a long time I've kind of held my peace. Uh, I've met Diego several times. He's come up to me, knows he knows who I am. He makes it very clear he knows who Chalkboard Review is. And uh, he's given me the old... Uh, I. Uh, car salesman smile. I, I think that's the best way to put it. And I've talked to him in depth about his, his politics and what he believes. I think the core issue here and the core issue throughout his campaign and most of the Indiana GOP is that they have no communication strategy at all. Like, I genuinely want to know what Kyle has the Indiana GOP doing for a comms department. Whoever is being paid money to do their communications for the state of Indiana needs to have their entire career reassessed and their college degrees revoked because there's no strategy. Destiny Wells is running a masterful campaign right now. She's offering debates. She's running around talking about things. Do I agree with her policy opportunities? No, they suck. I think the Libertarian is really lackluster, but they're running better campaigns than any Indiana Republican currently running for office in the state of Indiana, and it's embarrassing as an Indiana Republican to watch this happen. You mentioned the Libertarian. The Libertarian candidate for Secretary of State is Jeff Maurer getting 7% of the vote. Which is high for a Libertarian candidate. It Indiana. is. And 25 
75% of voters remain undecided because let's be honest, unless you live in this bubble the way that we do, where we talk about this all the time, this is the content we consume, most people in a barber shop, most people in a restaurant, if you go up to them and say, hey, who you got, Destiny Wells or Diego Morales, are going to have no idea who any of these no, people the are. No, the average guy that's starting the second shift at Draper Manufacturing out in Spiceland right now, I know the guy who has the radio on out there right now, hey guys, uh, that average crew does not care as much who the Indiana Secretary of State is, but the fact of the matter is people like those running for positions who appear competent, who appear articulate, and who actually put forward decently communicated strategies to improving their everyday lives. That's the only value of a local politician. Otherwise, stay out of my life, let me go home, mow my lawn, spend time with my family. Lastly, uh, we've got some polling for the Senate race in Indiana. And again, this is Indy Politics Poll with ARW Strategies. Abdul, our colleague, a part of this. It shows that Todd Young, as Rob Kendall calls him, the Duke of Spendingburg. He's got a nice doodle on of that over there on the whiteboard. That's Ethan really, Hatcher really is an quality. amazing artist. Ethan Hatcher did that. Um, up just two points on Tom McDermott. The Libertarian candidate getting 6% of the vote, 17% still undecided. Again, this was 600 likely voters. Margin of error, 4%. So McDermott, the Democrat, according to this poll, take it for what you will, is within the margin of error of leading this race. This is for Marion County? Yes. Yeah, so I, I don't think that McDermott has a prayer for the entire state of Indiana. I do love seeing all of the ads. This is another one of those Democrats that thinks abortion is the big issue that carries the state. Oh, everyone's going to come out and vote for me because of abortion. He said this before. So, uh, yeah, I mean, okay, we'll see. I, I could be wrong. You're, you're the betting man. I don't think that's what's going to drive Hoosiers to the polls for him. Um, and I'm not saying yay or nay on the issue of Young. I'm saying specifically as far as McDermott's campaign has come forward, throwing all of your weight behind the wealthy suburban woman is a very, very weird blo uh, voting block strategy, especially in Indiana, where we seem to favor much more uh, the average trades and service industry men and women. I tend to agree with you here again. Abdul always says polls are just a snapshot in time. Well, that's also Marion County. This this tracks for Marion County. It but does. it's I Marion mean, it's County, but it's both political parties and independents involved in this polling. So take that for what you will. Hmm. Uh, but you're right. 2% seems awful low. You don't have to like Todd Young. But again, if you're looking at this from an objective point of view, do you think he's going to win by more than 2% in the state of Indiana? Oh, yeah. The gambler, the sports better in me, says absolutely yes. Oh, yeah. Hammer and Nigel presents is it depends upon what the meaning of the word is. Yeah. Is this anything? It's the Hammer and Nigel Show. I'm Jason Hammer. Big Nige is out. Tony Kennett is in. And Tony, it feels like this is like in the movie Rudy, where Rudy finally got the call to dress for Notre Dame, and they're talking to him in the locker room. Are you ready for this? I've been waiting for this for my whole life. You, my friend, get to play Is This Anything. Anyone who's heard me guest host on the show before knows that I love Is This Anything more than any other segment. <laughs> it is the best. And if there is ever any kind of a possible perchance future for me, a WIBC, I will somehow have to like file for divorce custody rights to get Is This Anything <laughs> on the show. So I'm going to give you a story. You break it down. You tell us if it's anything or not. You got it. Dateline, Ohio. 
A couple in Ohio came home to find a wild turkey running around their house. Uh, Listen here. We've got some audio. We pulled it from the video as animal control captures the turkey in a net, but then it escapes and it jumps out of a window and chaos ensues. Um, Oh, the window broke. It flew through the window. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I feel so bad for it. It's probably hurt. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's out. Is that anything? It, it is, but it would be more of something if, like, in the distance, you just heard, <laughs> <laughs> like, running off into the distance. Dude, wild turkeys are no joke. They released a few of them a, a decade or so, maybe two decades back. Uh, please, those in the DNR are listening, uh, you can just DM me later and tell me how wrong I am. But I remember when a lot of wild turkeys in eastern central Indiana, we started to see them around Summit State Park. And uh, those things are nuts, man. They'll bolt in front of your car. They're jerks. They're, just, they're terrible. And yes. I, I'm the guy who hates chickens. Like a rooster comes up <laughs> when I tried to feed chickens for a friend we were house sitting for. I would like kick the chicken. Oh, like, uh, no, no. Well, the, the rooster's cut, not the chicken, but like the rooster who's coming to defend him and like pecking at your legs. Right. Because you have to teach them that they're not supposed to peck you. Right. When you're feeding them. But dude, those we got to do that with Kyle when he first started working here. <laughs> those turkeys are beasts, man. Yeah. Wild turkeys and geese, both jerks. Total jerks. There's oh, no ifs, ands, or buts about it. The law that you cannot, uh, so uh, oh, oh, I forgot that we're in a city and this isn't like, you know, again, the sticks. The, the law that you can't put down <clears throat> a, a Canadian or a Canada goose is the proper term. A Canada goose is the silliest law ever. I, why can't geese be thinned out? They're the most annoying, dirty, disgusting birds. Gross. As gross as they are, um, at least they're not the national bird. Remember, Benjamin Franklin wanted the turkey to be the national bird, and he had to ultimately be talked out of it because, well, let's be honest, it's fat, he was fat. I think they kind of felt some sort of kindred relationship, and we decided to go with the bald eagle instead. There's a really cool theory that if we would that we, we would have waited for just a hot minute because there were some who said, hey, let's live in the country by ourselves for a few decades and then figure that out. If they would have waited until Lewis and Clark got back in the early 1800s, our national bird probably would have been an owl. Really? And that would be cool. Owls it would are awesome. Be, but bald eagles are awesome. I love a good old-fashioned bald eagle. Did you know they fake the sound of bald eagles in, like, movies and shows and stuff? They don't really screech like that? No, they sound like weird trash birds, like seagulls, kind of. It's really, really weird. No, I'm not going to imitate it here on camera, (laughs) uh, on on the air, but they actually substitute the red-tailed hawks cry in. And everyone from National Geographic to the Animal Planet have, have done this over the years. So there's really no such thing as a screeching eagle. Uh, the golden eagle, which is brown and like knocks goats off of the mountainside. Yes. Which is incredible. It's a beast of an animal. That does screech a lot like that. Man, this whole segment also could have been a damn nature you scary, but instead it's about a turkey, which brings us to great moments in turkey history. This was the story in New Jersey when wild turkeys were going around a neighborhood harassing people. The turkeys are taking over. It's like an infestation. I can't get out of my door. Sometimes I can't get out of my car. Is Shoot them away. Vineyard? They won't do anything. They just like look at you to say, yeah, like they don't care. People think it's a laughing matter. It's a serious matter. When I can't get out of my house to get in the car because they won't go away and you can't get them to go away and they go to bite you. Yes, it's a problem. They've broken windows in people's houses when they fight. It's something to be taken seriously. These turkeys sound like the 
bums out here on Monument Circle. Oh my gosh, if I had a dollar for every time that I heard some, like, I don't know, you can always tell, it's like 52, 53, um, old white lady with like the shorter haircut who's like, they say it's a laughing matter, but it's not a laughing matter. <laughs> and it's totally a laughing it's matter. It's totally a laughing but matter. But it's like, no, you, you shouldn't, you know, these turkeys are vicious and brutal. Oh, it is the absolute best thing. There's a comment on the, the YouTube stream right now. It says, check out the YouTube video of a turkey chasing the mail lady. You know, they say, through the rain, snow, sleet, or hail, we will deliver your mail. We need to ask the official mailman of the Hammer and Nigel show if he's ever been chased by a turkey. And if he wants to, we could arrange that to happen. Before we do that, one more example of great moments in turkey history. Something just came out of the back of the helicopter. It's uh, a dark object. Uh, perhaps a skydiver plummeting to the earth from only 2,000 feet into the air. As God is my witness, I thought turkeys could fly. Great moments in turkey history. Is this anything? Yesterday, it was announced that there's going to be a documentary about the making of Michael Jackson's Thriller album. A lot of behind-the-scenes stuff going into the making of what some say the greatest album of all time. Now, to help promote this, somebody found Michael Jackson's personal demo of Beat It!, and it's going viral. It's a cappella. Michael sings all of the instrumental parts and the background vocals here. Take a listen. Everything Michael here. this anything oh it's fantastic i think thriller is one of the greater songs uh in the just that era of like really experimental pop and also this is kind of a cool history fact for you there was this russian from the soviet union there was this russian guy in charge of doing a lot of video advertising he lived in estonia in the soviet union and he would plagiarize michael jackson songs to do commercials so there would be like a <laughs> russian commercial for shoe polish and it would be the instrumental to thriller that would kick on. Really? Oh yeah, it's incredible because Estonia gets your attention. Yeah, Estonia was the only satellite state in the Soviet Union where you could pick up illegal Western uh, TV and radio frequencies. So that's how he heard Michael Jackson. He loved it so much he put it into Soviet commercials for stuff. Okay, so we got time to do one more clip here, and I'm going to let you choose. This is a little choose your own adventure, Tony. Do you want to hear? Fallout Boy's cover song of Beat It, or do you want to hear a Metallica Michael Jackson mashup featuring Inter Sandman and Beat It? So here's the catch. I've actually heard and liked and already favorited the Metallica one. I'm actually a pretty big Fallout Boy fan myself, having gone to several Fallout Boy concerts in, in my youth. Uh, I definitely want to hear the Fallout Boy Beat It. Okay. This was actually a big hit for them. Bigger. Yeah. yeah. I lied. We got time for both of them. Mondo, yeah. give it to me. It's give me a little it. inner Sandman with Beat It. Let's go. Nothing else like it. 
the Hammer and Nigel Show. Show on 93 WIPC. You rock. You all right over there, Mondo? Everything going all right? Yeah, we made it. <laughs> it's the Hammer and Nigel Show. I'm Jason Hammer. Tony Kenneth's filling in for Big Nige. Another migrant bus has arrived just outside of Kamala Harris's home at the Naval Observatory in Washington, D.C., Listen, I've said from the very beginning, Tony, I love this kind of stuff. If that makes me a petty person, so be it. But if you're going to call yourself a sanctuary city, if you're not going to do anything about the problem that's happening, not just in Texas, but Arizona as well and some other places, then you should be involved in the process. Yeah, I mean, if you're the one who wants to say, look, we, we understand that some are going to come into this country in a, in a migrant process, not following the standard legal immigration practices set forth in this country, as messy and ridiculous as they are, uh, then you know, sanctuary cities, we believe that they should be here and that they should be allowed to do whatever it is that we feel necessary. We want to house them and feed them. Well, yeah, pony up then. You know, it's it's not fair that the border states should have to uh, deal with all of the additional mouths to feed and individuals to house, and that you who claim such moral grace and stature, you're claiming that pony up. You know, you said you're a betting man. You know, you you walk up to the table, you got to throw some chips down. 100% here, and stop with the human trafficking sideshow crap oh get out of here human trafficking oh it's human traffic how could he how could DeSantis have loaded those individuals onto an airplane in the nicest vehicle they've probably been in <laughs> in the last year based on how they came to the United States and sent them to the nicest area in the country where the local residents fed them Chipotle and now I mean goodness great human trafficking and then nobody wants to talk about it when, like in Chicago or at Martha's Vineyard, the very minute they get there, they load them up on a bus and take them to the suburbs. I thought this was human trafficking. Hey, and, and on that matter, I never really heard them say anything about human trafficking back when it was uh, the horrible crisis of young girls and boys actually being trafficked over the border. I mean, the original reason that children were detained away from adults was because so many children were brought over under trafficking conditions and were told by those who were the the individuals that were molesting them and, and pimping them out, they were hid away from them so that the authorities could determine if those were actually their parents or not. And that was the whole children in cages rhetoric. So they didn't care about human trafficking back when that was the rationale. But all of a sudden, DeSantis or what other Republican figure from a, a red state sends migrants to a sanctuary city and it's, it's suddenly human trafficking? Get out of here. It's so disingenuous. The Biden Department of Justice, led by one Merrick Garland, cracking down on pro-lifers, indicting 11 pro-life activists for blocking access to abortion clinics. This is what I was referencing earlier. Uh, have you actually seen the pictures of these people? If you're listening now and you're curious about the story about those who were rounded up for doing kind of a sit-in, uh, honestly, kind of like a, it reminds me of from the Andy Griffith show when they all stood out and said, uh, they sang, we will not be moved. 
and old Barney Fife went out there and tried to get him to leave. <laughs> this is really what that reminds me of. You know, I've got more faith in Barney Fife than I do Merrick Garland. Oh yeah, I, Don Knotts, I rest his soul. I would have been a phenomenal head of the uh, of the <laughs> Attorney General's office compared to Garland. That said, if you look at these these individuals again, they look like they should be at a Baptist potluck. Really kind, nice, sweet-looking people. I've seen the footage. They haven't done anything wrong, yet they're rounded up uh, under this political stuff. And again, it, Hunter Biden is walking around free. Uh, well, I mean, today, the Washington Post reported that the feds are close to cracking down on Hunter Biden mm, for yeah. gun issues and some other things like that, possibly lying under oath. We'll believe it when we see it. And we all know he's never going to see the inside of a jail cell, right? That's not going to happen. They're not going to be waiting around for those who were protesting outside of the, uh, for the protesting in in a pro-life stance. They're not going to treat, you know, those that the FBI is currently raiding with that kind of uh, kid gloves. This is just the society that we live in now, and it's pathetic. So for those of you scoring at home, the Attorney General, Merrick Garland, and again, thank God he is not on our United States Supreme Court. If you're going to say anything about Mitch McConnell, and there's a lot you can say about cocaine Mitch, but tip your hat to him for fighting for not allowing this clown to be part of the Supreme Court. Merrick Garland gives amnesty to abortion industry activists illegally intimidating Supreme Court justices and their families at their homes. That's fine. And if you threaten Catholic churches and pregnancy centers, okay, that's fine too. But boy, pro-life protesters throw the book at those folks. Those folks and the January 6th folks, that's where your money and attention is going to be spent. Not on the folks coming across the border or the crimes in our city. It's this petty crap, like the raid at Mar-a-Lago, like what's happening with uh, the January 6th committee. This is what your Department of Justice is focusing on. And of course, you've heard about what the American Medical Association asked of the Department of Justice and the Attorney General's office. They sent a letter asking that any journalists out there who were suggesting that a gender surgery on minors, so where you're cutting the genitals off of those under the age of 18, Ugh. those that were criticizing that, those journalists should be investigated and prosecuted. That's from the American Medical Association. So it's amazing to see that I now as well have been swept up for, you know, federal investigation suggestion from the American Medical Association, along with other journalists at, at Chalkboard Review and Abroad, who are pointing a light at this kind of nonsense. The double standards of our Justice Department have become such an egregious spot in the eye of the average American. No wonder institutional trust is at an all-time low. That's why when I hear establishment people talk about how much more important it is that, oh, we're, we have to believe everything that's coming out of the institutions. You need to show that you can be trusted. No. Anybody that says you should always believe and then fill in the blank, no. I don't care if it's the Justice Department. I don't care if it's the government. Don't believe all women. Don't believe all men. Don't believe all blank usually means that somebody's got an agenda and I'm not believing anybody all the time. That's not happening. It's the Hammer and Nigel show. Yeah, I'm going to take my horse to the old town road. I'm going to ride till I can't no more. You're listening to the Hammer and Nigel show on 93 WIBC. Coming up a little bit after 5 o'clock, Elon Musk moving forward with purchasing Twitter. 
Tony. I want to get your thoughts on that. Uh, we've also got Rob Kendall ready to go off the rails at 5.30. So we get a lot of fun to be had this afternoon. I'm Jason Hammer. Tony Kennett's in for Big Nige. Let's go to the drive, Hubler.com hotline, and bring on my co-host of All Indiana Bets every Saturday and Sunday on Wish TV, comedian extraordinaire and damn fine American Scott Long. Scott, how are you? Man, I am doing great. Now, here's a little quiz I'll begin with. What is the most like popular person in any like major city? Any major city, it's usually the pro athlete. Yeah, the backup quarterback, right? That's right. the most popular person because you're like, I'm not really loving what I'm getting out of the starter. There's so <laughs> much potential. Um, that You know the second most per- popular person in Indianapolis is? Whoever's filling in for Nigel. <laughs> it seems like... That is like every time. What's going on, Nige? I mean, he makes me feel good. I mean, he he and Danielle, our other co-host, soon to have the same kind of attendance record. So I got that out of the way. I just roasted a few people. Now I'm on to whatever question you have, Hammer. Well, I was going to get your thoughts on this Colts game tonight. I've told folks this week on the, the Tuesday night Bet Rivers show, I'm going against the grain. The numbers show that on Thursday nights, you play the under. Primetime unders are a big deal. This is what I got lined up for tonight. You tell me if you think I'm a genius, if you think I'm an idiot or whatever. I like the I over. The part usually. <laughs> oh, ouch. I see this over under right now. I'm looking at Bet Rivers, 41 and a half. This is an overreaction by odds makers. They know everybody's betting unders in primetime. That's too low. I like over 41 and a half. I don't think Denver is capable of blowing anybody out. So I've got the Colts getting three points here. I don't need them to win. I need them to hang around. I feel like the pressure is on them to do so from the owner. I'll take the Colts in three points. And my prop bet tonight, Naheem Hines filling in for Jonathan Taylor over three and a half receptions. Scott, as the other half of all Indiana bets, I want to get your thoughts. Okay, the first, uh, the last one you said about Naheem Himes, I'm on board with that one. That feels good, uh, considering how bad the pass protection has been by the Colts. Uh, they're going to need to throw some screens, so I like that. Um, besides that, I, I'm, I'm, I believe three and one picking Colts games this year against the spread, and I feel like last week, if you don't turn the ball over five times, I might have been four and zero. I've given up on this team, figuring them out. I don't understand them at all. I wish I could give you like a lot of like, okay, it should be the over or the under. Or the I got nothing on it. I'm glad I don't have to do the TV show for it. Denver, I don't believe in Russell Wilson. This coach in Denver is terrible. He's way out beyond what he should be handling right now, Hackett. So, I also know, though, it's Thursday night. The place will be rocking in the Mile High City. It's sometimes it's hard to get your lungs, especially at night there. I don't know what to do with this game. So I know you had me on to give like a real like tight, like a uh, you know great comment on it. I'm just so disenchanted by the team. I don't want to lose money on them. I, I'm just so sickened by them. But I'll I'll jump on your Heinz prop, 
And I would just say there's going to be a lot of great games on Sunday. You should watch our show and find out how to make money, and you you won't have to feel badly about your team like uh, <laughs> every Sunday we've had to be putting up with. It's been miserable. Uh, you know, if, if everyone feels great that we have the most expensive offensive line, um, that's the most dull person on the planet. I was told it, it was a generational guard, Scott, a generational guard in Quentin Nelson. You know, Scott, I got a, I got a quick question here for you. Uh, Please. Just really, I think that you're going to be able to provide some valuable insight on what's the over-under on how many attend the funeral for the Colts franchise? Oh, if oh. they lose tonight, wow. man, that's that's going to be a good question. Yeah, I've heard they've already got uh, trucks, uh, moving trucks. They're going to find some place in Baltimore. I left the Colts five years ago for the Eagles. And, it I mean, I get enough flack for that already. But this season, I just don't feel so bad for leaving it behind. They just have broken my heart one too many times. I believe at the funeral, the Jim Irsay band will be performing, though. So at least they'll have that going for him, Scott. They'll at least have three guys named Kenny. You know, that, <laughs> love the guy named Kenny. There's a Kenny Aronoff. There's Kenny Wayne Shepherd. I'm sure Kenny Powers will probably do Ken too. See, it's man, that's the thing about being a Colts fan, Scott, is like we have yeah. to act like we like Jim Mercy's music, too. <laughs> Yeah, that's not fair. I mean, uh, <laughs> I love that he brought he brought all these amazing musicians. Uh, you know, you ever have like a rich friend? I've heard about it. I've never had one before, but <laughs> like a rich friend, and you hang out with him. You're like that guy. Just he takes us to the best restaurants, and he takes us to, like he gets us backstage, and you're like, and eh, if he wants to do a couple songs at karaoke, that's okay. You know, he's paying for everything else. I can put up with it. That's how I feel about him. At least he's trying. He's trying to bring great things to the city. But no more Mr. Nice Guy. That's my final statement. Hammer, okay, who have been our last coaches? Let's go through it. Okay, Frank Reich, great guy. Uh, uh, Pagano, super guy. Chuck Strong. Um, let's go through. Keep going. Uh, Caldwell, wonderful person. Who's the nicest person ever? Tony Dungy. I am so tired of these nice guys. We got to have a butt kicker. Bring them in. Bring get Bruce Arians off the the scrap heap. You know, I'm that down was for the that season where I felt like he pushed. <laughs> there was pushing going on. It's like everybody is just like a nice dad. Let's let's have somebody that's ready to you know. Just get after it, man. Chair throwing is who's your heritage. Hey, we got 30 seconds left, Scott. Tell everybody about all Indiana bets. Yeah, okay. So Saturday we're on at 11. Sunday we're on at noon. We've been doing really well in the NFL. College is picking up. Hammer's done really well this year. And uh, we drink like bourbon. We drink tequila. Depends on the day. We eat pizza (laughs) or wings. And we make jokes about football. It's the best show ever. It is. It's like hanging out in a sports bar with your degenerate pals. Scott, my man, I appreciate it. I'll talk to you this weekend. Talk to you guys soon. It's the Hammer and Nigel Show. Hammer and Nigel. you believe these characters are weirdos? On 93 WIBC. So let's rock! Oh, man. He's already in the hallway working out. Rob Kendall is going to be going off the rails here coming up at 530. I see him in the hallway. He's got a Red Bull in one hand, coffee in the other. He's shirtless. He's doing crunches. Today's going to be exciting. I'm quite scared right now. My name is Jason Hammer. That is Tony Kennett of Chalkboard Review. He's filling in for Big Nige. Uh... Tony, one of the things that I wanted to talk to you yesterday about on your normal Wednesday segment with us, but we didn't have time, was Elon Musk. 
it sounds like where all systems go on him taking over Twitter. Now, stranger things have happened. Things could still go sideways, but it looks like right now this is going to go down, and I want to get your thoughts here. Do it. Yes. Yeehaw. Excellent. The most fantastic, excellent, super-de-duper social media news that has come out in the last decade. I am all over the moon for this because Twitter has been caught time and time and time again, mostly by whistleblowers from their own company internals, censoring, blackmailing, doing really shady nonsense, covering up all manner of garbage double standards, triple standards, the legendary quadruple standards, all on individuals with views they don't like. Elon wants to come in, he wants to scrap all of that junk, and he wants to make it a haven for free speech. Twitter is where news breaks, I don't care who you are, that's what the data shows, and so as someone who uses Twitter probably far more than is good for him, I am thrilled to see that, if anything, just to see the libs cry. Now, I'm with you, I agree, um, some folks are flipping out because now they have to have a fair playing field. I think it's hilarious to watch that play out. But have we set the expectations a little too high for Elon Musk? What if he comes in and it takes a while for things to change? Oh, I expect it to. I do. I don't I don't believe that he's going to snap his fingers and all of a sudden all of the uh, fellow journalists like myself who have developed followings and have met all of the criteria. We're suddenly going to be verified and we're all going to be growing and it's going to be wonderful. No, I don't have rose colored dreams for the future. I believe that it is going to be better than it is now and that it is going to hurt those who have been malicious in the process. That is valuable to me. And I think that that in and of itself is a good expectation. I'm not expecting him to come out here and save the world. I think that's foolish. Uh, instead, I'm just looking forward to seeing, like you said, the playing field to be leveled in any way, shape, or form is a very good thing. It feels like right now, and again, I'm just basing this off of things that I'm reading on social media, a lot of it on Twitter, right. about Twitter. So take that for what you will. But one of the first things he wants to do is address the bots. Not necessarily... Even the playing field, like we've talked about, or, you know, making it so Donald Trump can come back or whatever the case may be, it's eliminating all of the spam, all of the bots, all of the auto replies of at MGD54321, all these stupid oh, accounts. I know that guy. He tried to sell me weird hashish <laughs> and like a Russian mail order wife. Right. He's a nice guy. And you're going to see a lot of folks lose Twitter numbers. Right. Oh, the Ministry of Truth has in this initial like minor purge already. There was a 5,000, 6,000, I guess. I don't really keep track of it. Follower loss. Um, the only reason I noticed is because it kicked the account back below 300,000. And uh, yeah, there's going to be some account loss. But what I also noticed following that, because it looks like there's been a slight algorithm shift on the platform, uh, certain accounts, there's always this weird thing whenever Elon interacts with it for a few days and they start to think he's going to grab it again. It's like Twitter starts to go through the back door and kind of cover their tracks. And I'm seeing a lot of tweets from accounts that I haven't seen recently uh, because of the way algorithm covers conservatives, libertarians, etc. And the account, for example, U.S. Mini True, which is the Ministry of Truth account that I run, uh, it is growing again. And now, so, what is that account for somebody that's listening that might not be familiar with it? It's a hilarious account. It's like a parody account, right? Yeah. So the Biden administration earlier this year uh, set forward that U.S. Disinformation Governance Board, which everyone <laughs> originally called with the, Nina uh, Jankowitz, Nina Jankowitz, that the lunatic Poppins superstar. Uh, yeah. So then the NSA and also NPR and from a media organization basically launched this truth seeking governmental service that was going <laughs> to fact check everything, which reminded everyone of the Ministry of Truth from George Orwell's 1984. 
And so I created a fake seal and an account and it, it just <laughs> swelled. And now I make CNN social media staffers cry about every other day because we ratio all of their tweets and it's really hilarious. So that's you behind that. That's awesome. That's fantastic. That is me and my wife. Yes, we share the, the credit for abominations <laughs> from that thing. Uh, Tony Kennett with us, pinch hitting for Big Nige. Dateline, Washington, D.C., Mayor Muriel Bowser declining to comment on her deputy mayor for public safety and justice, uh, this loser named Chris Geldart, allegedly grabbing a guy by his neck in the parking lot outside of a gym. And I say allegedly because that kind of covers us legally, but I've seen the video. The dude totally picks up somebody by his neck and is roughing him up outside of the gym. The mayor of D.C., Muriel Bowser, one of the great hypocrites of all of America. We featured her quite a bit on the COVID hypocrisy madness that we did this past March. She was asked about this from a reporter in Washington, D.C., who happened to have her phone out, literally playing the video of her deputy mayor for public safety grabbing somebody by the throat and listen to this reaction. I haven't seen it and I won't You're be looking com- at it now. Oh, this I actually won't. Well, actually, I asked you for it earlier uh, where I could review She's it. She's playing it right in front of her face. In my office. You can see it right now, though. We're showing but you the I'll video. Show, I'll review it in my so office. So you're going to speak with us later about this at a different time? No, actually. I probably uh, won't. Why not? Because I asked you for some information that you had and you didn't give it to me. We're giving it to you right well, now. Well, you can give it into me in my office, but thank you for your question. So when can we meet in your office to do this, Mayor Bowser? Susanna, when can we meet thank in her you. office? What a fraud. What an absolute phony. What a fraud. And when it comes to all the COVID stuff, she was one of the biggest hypocrites in this country. But you know what, Tony? She's going to get reelected again. Of course, as we've learned with progressive school districts across the country, people have a tendency to keep doing the exact same things over and over and over and over again and expecting a different result. And for those in Marion County who are considering reelecting Hogsett yet again to try the exact same things over again, expecting something different, please see a local doctor as quickly as possible <laughs> because you may be experiencing symptoms of insanity. Oh, Ryan Mears, according to Abdul's poll, has a lead on Carrasco and it sounds like Boss Hogsett, one J.D. Hogsett himself, is considering another run at being the mayor because he couldn't get a gig anywhere else. You know, speaking of mayors, and just because we've already chatted about this on the show today, and I, I kind of want to take this a slightly different direction. Did you see a video today of uh, Chicago's great, wonderful, super-duper mayor, the great Lori Lightfoot? Oh, Beetlejuice? Yeah, there's a there's a Chiron under the, the news talking about how, like, she's supposed to be walking out discussing violence in the city, sexual abuse, and all this other stuff, and she's coming out towards the press conference like Rocky, like actually dancing, like a boxer dances, like she's celebrating that she's giving a press conference on murder and sexual assault in her city, and I was amazed like it's like showing up to a funeral in like a party suit with sparklers i'm now to be fair that's the kind of funeral that i want i want to put the fun back into funeral i want a buffet i want bumper stickers on the casket style dead man on board like i want all that kind of stuff i want it all happening at my funeral i want it to be fun um tk dub for this next story i'm going to need some very appropriate mood music Uh-oh. Oh, no. I usually know what this music entails. Dateline, Michigan. A small farm in southern Michigan just had a bunch of its vegetables pulled from stores because somebody found out they were using 
raw human waste oh. as a fertilizer. The name of the farm is Country Gardens. Uh, Michigan's Department of Agriculture issued a warning on Monday saying they'd been using, and I'm quoting here, raw, untreated human waste to grow their vegetables, Tony. So there are a million puns that are flowing through my brain at the moment. <laughs> uh, I, I'm absolutely astounded at the spelling of Country Gardens. It's spelled K-U-N-T-R-Y. Right. So if they're spelling country incorrectly uh, with that degree of just veracity, I'm not really counting on their fertilizer methods. As to where they are collecting the fertilizer is what I want to know. Like, is there like a local waste service? Like, is this where the porta potties go? After a night at the concert hall. Oh, can you imagine? Imagine having the zucchini that you're making for your family, knowing that it's covered in concert goer and bum poop. Oh yes, yes. This uh, this zucchini is of the Clips Music Center Summer Festival series. Yeah, it's a good vintage. <laughs> oh. uh, now keep in mind, the human waste carries hepatitis A, norovirus, E. coli, bacteria, all that kind of stuff on there. But with that being said, if you were somebody that was normally a consumer from the country gardens in southern Michigan, and you love these vegetables, but you didn't know that it was because of human waste fertilizer. Would you care? Would you keep going back? If it was really good, if you liked the vegetables, it's not like you're eating the waste right off of it. I'm sure you probably cleaned it before you made it. Well, I, let's just say they probably wouldn't be my number one vegetable producer anymore. They'd be number two. hi <laughs> Try the veal. Waiting for tonight. Oh, when you would be here in my arms. You're listening to the Hammer and Nigel Show on 93 WIBC. Got a ticket update here for a night with WIBC. I'm Jason Hammer, Tony Kennett's in for Big Nige. And uh, coming up at the end of the month, Thursday night, October 27th, over at Butler. It's a night with WIBC presented by Relay Indiana. Relay Indiana is awesome. They do so much good for the community. Happy to have them on board as our sponsor. Uh, make sure you check them out online, Relay Indiana. Uh, but as of this morning, there were only 106 tickets left. Now, we're selling tickets at about a 50 to 60 tickets day that's kind of what we're doing we're selling about 50 to 60 tickets a day so based off of this math if my beach grove high school education is correct here we're just a couple days away from selling the joint out and as of this morning and i'm not even sure if this is still accurate or not there were only two vip tickets left vip tickets are a little bit more expensive but that gets you into the pre-show mingle meet and greet there's a bar there's some food you get there an hour before the show we all shotgun beers and play grab ass that's basically what the vip is i'm paraphrasing of course you don't say but uh if those tickets are gone and again this morning there were only two left there were 106 tickets left so if you've thought about going to a night with wibc you need to act quickly so we've got the ticket link up on our social media, Facebook and Twitter. It's pinned at the top. Or you could just go to Ticketmaster, Ticketmaster.com, search for WIBC, a night with WIBC presented by Relay Indiana. Purchase your tickets that way. General admission, get there early, tailgate, have a good time. 
all of us hosts here at 93 WIBC, we're going to be doing about 20 minutes of a stage presentation. Ours is always pretty fun. I can't tell you any more than that, but it's always fun. All of us are going to be there. Tony, Rob, Casey, myself, Matt Bear's going to be there. The gun guy's going to be there. Mondo's going to be there. Uh, it's a fun night. And this is going to happen right before the midterms, Thursday night, October 27th. So get ready, get rowdy. It's going to be a spirited night. If you want to chant some things, I'm not going to stop you. We can do all the things on stage that we can't say on the radio. So tickets are going quickly. Only two VIPs were left as of this morning. They might be gone now. Only 106 general admission tickets were left. Buy your tickets quickly. This will sell out. It has sold out every year that we've done it. This year's a bigger venue over at Butler, a night with WIBC. Mondo, let's do a little booze news. You set them up and I'll knock them back, Lloyd. One by one. We According to a new study, abstaining from alcohol might actually raise your risk of dementia. See, this is why I'm so smart. Yeah, this is really. why I'm the smartest guy in the room. I drink all the damn time. You guys might as well call me Socrates. Uh, a new study finds that moderate drinking can boost long-term brain health more than abstinence. Now, some do not believe the findings and believe other variables like obesity were missed in the research. But just when it comes to pure brain power, Tony, the more you drink, it sounds like that's a heck of a lot better than those who don't drink at all. I'm just looking forward to seeing the uh, Bud Light advertisement with the billboard they have in Indianapolis here in a couple of weeks <laughs> that says, drink to think. Right. That's 100% accurate. I'm down for this. And this reminds me of something I used to talk about all the time back in the day when people used to say, oh, you drink too much. You know, like yesterday. Uh, I call it <laughs> the American Buffalo Theory. Now, follow me on this Oh, one. great. Here we go. So, Tell us about this theory, Socrates. When a herd of buffalo are traveling in a pack, uh -huh. every once in a while, some buffalo die and don't make it. But it's the weakest buffalo that don't survive. The human mind works in the exact same way. Yes, drinking alcohol kills a few brain cells, but it's the weak brain cells that don't make the it. brain cells that survive are... So oh, by yeah. eliminating those weak brain cells, those weak buffalo, you make your mind a more efficient thinking machine. That, my friends, is a Beach Grove High School education. And that's right. When it comes to education stories and, and focal points like that, you know that Socrates is going to bring you the most alcoholy enriched stories <laughs> that you can find at your local adult education program. We'll hang on to the lewd new dude for tomorrow because Rob Kendall is about to bust through these doors like Stone Cold Steve Austin and go off the rails. That's coming up next. I want you to get up right now and go to the window, open it and stick your head out and yell, I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore. And now, Amory and Nigel go off the rails with Rob Kendall on 93 WIBC.
It is the Hammer and Nigel Show. My name is Jason Hammer. Big Nige is out. Tony Kennett is in. And in studio, you know him, you love him, Mr. Off the Rails himself, Rob Kendall is here. Thanks as always to our segment sponsor, Garage Doors of Indianapolis. We're getting closer and closer to the midterms, Rob. Let's bring it local. Let's keep it close here to Indy. Uh, We've got some polling information. Abdul's group, um, they did some polling in regards to the Marion County prosecutor's race. And unfortunately, if Abdul's polling is correct, 300 likely voters in Marion County, both sides of the political scale, including some independents, it looks like as bad as he is, Ryan Mears has a big lead. Yeah, so a couple things. We talked about this a little bit on the award-winning State House Happenings uh, program, which will air Sunday morning on WIBC. And Abdul acknowledged this. The it, one issue with the poll as it relates to Marion County is the sample size. And he said, look, Cindy Carrasco is probably doing a little better than the poll says because the sample size is a little smaller than they wanted. But, you know, you there's money involved in that, and the bigger the sample size, the more it costs, et cetera. So let's say, theoretically, instead of 5130, it's 47, you know, 34, whatever. He's still got a lead, right? And she's, for all the, uh, you know, hullabaloo about, well, she's a Holcomb person, and Holcomb's people run the Marion County GOP, and she's raising all this money. She hasn't been a great candidate in the sense of she's clearly not getting the places she needs to get to get the votes she needs to have in order to win. Now, one of the things in Abdul's poll showed that there was about 19 to 20% undecided. So if... Cindy Carrasco can find a way to get some of these undecideds. Maybe we've got a ball game here, but when you look at how many registered Democrats are in Marion County compared to the Republicans, she's going to have to get basically all of the undecideds to have a shot to win this thing, right? Yeah, here's the problem. Politics is about selling yourself to other people, and it's easy. It's not, I shouldn't say it's easy, but it's easier when it's like, look, the district is 30% Republican, 30% Democrat, you know, 40% are kind of in the middle. It's easy to make the sell of, I'm the competent person, this guy is a bumbling buffoon, you can't afford him anymore, when you started an even playing field. She doesn't start at an even playing field. It's almost two to one Democrat to Republican registration. I think it's actually like 60-40. Well, that's the equivalent of going to somebody and going, hey, I know you've been a Colts fan your whole life. But, man, the Colts suck, and they're an embarrassment, and you should start rooting for my team is whatever. It's a really hard sell, which is why it's so rare it happens. You know, Ballard did it. Carl Brizzy was able to do it years ago. But other than that, it's hard to tell somebody their team sucks and they need to be with you. Is this going to be a case where people are just going to go vote and vote straight ticket? And Ryan Mears has that D next to his name, and he's going to be the benefactor of people voting straight ticket. Yes, you've got to be able to peel people away from that. One of the reasons Ballard was so successful is the mayor's election is an off year. People are going to vote for that. So at the top of the ticket, you're much less likely to get a straight ballot poll. So if somebody hates Todd Young, or somebody hates another high-profile Republican that's on the ballot for a national seat and they vote straight party against them, you've got guys like Ryan Mears who are going to reap the benefit of that. Because I know for a fact, Rob, there's a lot of Democrats, especially downtown, people who have donated money to the Dems before 
who don't like what they see from the prosecutor's office. But if they go in and vote straight ticket, this guy's going to see his name, you know, as a winner on election night. Yeah, and that's what you're up against. you got to be a very special candidate at a very special time to overcome such a dramatic party affiliation uh, disadvantage, and she's she's just not that. Going off the rails with Rob Kendall here, so let's talk about some other names. Diego Morales. Oh, the old cowardly lion, Diego Morales. Boy, that breaks my heart. You have dubbed him the cowardly lion because? Well, he won't uh, debate. He won't show up. If there's even a hint of an idea that his opponents might be at some event, he is not there. I've heard they're having a debate on television coming up that he is not confirmed to. PBS is airing the debate. This guy is unbelievable, and he's a coward because he has something to hide. And now there's this story of some Me Too stuff coming out from a long time ago. And again, I always maintain you are innocent until you're proven guilty. I said this about Kavanaugh. I even said it about the god-awful Cuomo brothers. Listen, not all women can be believed. Despite what CNN and the Democrats will tell you, you can't believe all women. Ask Trevor Bauer. But this is a distraction. It is a headline. People are going to see this. Is he in trouble? Yeah, Diego Morales shouldn't be voted against, and people shouldn't choose Jeff Moore, the libertarian, because of these allegations against Diego Morales. People should vote against Diego Morales because he's a goof and a loser and super sketchy. Like everything that comes up with this guy, it seems like there's some deal with it. His work record in the Secretary of State's office, his military record. What does he do for a job? He spends almost $44,000 on a campaign vehicle. That has nothing to do with these allegations. The reason there's credence in these allegations, unlike Kavanaugh, because Kavanaugh had lived an impeccable life, right? Like he had been a federal judge. He had worked for the Bush administration. He was not like out being Ted Bundy on the weekends his whole life. So when this woman comes <laughs> up with these allegations they're so easily disprovable and she's saying things and people are going yeah she says we were there we, we weren't even there people go this didn't happen unlike diego which he can't disprove it they can't prove it either but when everything about you seems to be raising questions or being sketchy it feeds into the idea of maybe there's something here right and when i say that i am against believe all women i know i get some tweets coming at me but you know it feels like you have to learn a lesson sooner or later from jumping to conclusions whether it was the kid from covington catholic nicholas sandman whether it was kyle rittenhouse whether it was jesse smollett if you jump in right away and say that's it i don't need to see any more information my mind is made up very often you're made to look a fool I'm not saying that these guys did it. I'm not saying they're not. I'm just saying pump the brakes a little bit and let some information come out. Well, they're just allegations, and everybody's entitled to the presumption of innocence. It was 15 years ago. He can't disprove it. They can't prove it. But the point is, it's just another thing in a litany of issues. People should vote against Diego Morales for a bevy of reasons that have nothing to do with this. This guy is a incompetent goof. So we go from one of your good buddies to another here. <laughs> Let's talk about your karaoke partner, Governor Holcomb. There's some polling out from uh, Abdul's organization, IndiePolitics.org. They do a number of polls. We talked about the one with the prosecutor's race. Now there's one about the political future of Governor Eric Holcomb. What yeah, do you think? So this is tragic, Hammer. And look, it did take six years. It did take uh, a VIP meet and greet with the domestic terrorist. It did take uh, shutting the state down, putting a million people out of work, costing tens of thousands of jobs. It did take trying to put you in jail for not wearing a mask. It did take the large 
largest tax increase in state history. <laughs> it did take record government and record budgets. But finally, you at, forgot petri dish. Uh, I did. And calling people a human petri, you know, the list is so long. <laughs> it's like trying to remember people at the Academy Awards, right? You know, the list of egregious Holcomb things is so long. But finally, this guy is under water in this Abdul poll and he's been able to stay above water for many years because Democrats really liked the stuff he was doing and I don't, so I don't know if it's the abortion thing or what it is but clearly the Republicans have had enough of this guy and he's finally underwater in this Abdul poll 47% disapprove 44% approve which brings a smile to my face see I had I don't think it has anything to do with the abortion thing. This was all about the lockdowns in Indiana. Telling people who just wanted to open up their business that they were a Petri dish, but people who were storming up the street to bust into your mansion, Noble, and then meeting with Malik Mohammed, giving him a one-on-one in your residence, yeah, that's probably going to be frowned upon after the fact. Well, and what's interesting, too, in the Todd Young poll, and I'm going to take a sliver of credit for this, Todd Young's only up by two in that poll over McDermott, who's a, also a terrible candidate, but a whole bunch of Republicans, I think it's like 25% of Republicans, are undecided on Todd Young, as they should be, because the Republicans are sitting there going, gosh, I don't want a Democrat in there, but Todd Young 100% totally does not deserve my vote, because he's added $11 trillion to the national debt, the old Duke of Spendingburg, and he said, he told me, very meanly in a room full of people at the <laughs> Stacks Pancake House, I'm never, ever, ever, never, ever, 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 never quitting on spending the money, and I don't regret doing any of it. Was that part of his Stop Washington Waste tour that he was on? Was <laughs> he we, the one that went on that tour? And by the way, can we go back to the fact that the Americans for Prosperity were hosting that guy, who they are supposed to be about a limited, accountable, responsible government. But we see this a lot of times, that these groups who claim to be for something, at the end of the day, they're just arms of the Republican Party. Todd Young doing a Stop Washington Waste tour <laughs> is like OJ touring the country saying, hey, you guys got to cut the domestic violence out. <laughs> What, what what Todd Young, I, I know I think you just summed it up perfectly, and I was going to say something, but I, I'd like to keep my job here. The headline's going to be, Hammer compares Todd Young to OJ. <laughs> uh, can you stick around? Absolutely. We're going off the rails with Rob Kendall. More when we come back. Rob Kendall going off the rails with us here on the Hammer and Nigel Show. I jumped on with our pal Dan Dockich earlier today on his Outkick show. And, Rob, one of the topics of discussion was I'm tired of being nice about Joe Biden's mental decline. I'm tired of being nice about John Fetterman's mental decline. Look, I feel bad for Fetterman. You had a stroke. I get it. It's tough to recover from. But you're trying to become one of the 100 most powerful people in America. Joe Biden. He lost his fastball a long time ago, and people think it's funny. Oh, look, he fell off a bike. Oh, he can't walk upstairs. Oh, he talks about corn pop. He really broke me. He lost me when he was calling on Jackie Walorski in that speech a couple weeks ago. This is not okay. This is the president of the United States, Rob, and it's a shame that his wife, the good doctor, Dr. Jill, allows him to be in that position. I told my wife, Crystal, if I'm still doing radio when I'm 70 and I can't stand up and I'm speaking gibberish and I don't know who's alive or dead or I don't know where to go and I'm startled by noises, don't put me out there to humiliate myself. It's disgusting she's allowing her husband to continue to do this. Yeah, here's the thing. So uh, we played a clip the other day, and this is the problem in all of this. 
uh, and I think Caitlin Flanagan was the lady's name. She's a writer for The Atlantic. She was on with Bill Maher. And Bill Maher is basically posing this question of, how is it that Democrats can say the guy's losing his mind, but yet you guys still support him? And she essentially says and uses the analogy of sometimes it's time to take the car keys away from grandpa. So you've got her saying this guy is the equivalent of not letting your grandfather drive, but hey, he's done a really good job in promoting liberalism, so let's go. And this is the thing. You have people that on the left admitting this guy is losing his mind. He's lost his marbles. He has no business leading, you know, a, a local VFW, much less, you know, the entire United States of America. And yet we will stand behind him and placate this because we are so wed to liberalism above all else. And Joe Biden's people, it's not Joe Biden, but his people. Right, because we do- know he's not calling the shots. He's do- they're doing such a great job at radical leftism. We must keep this guy in here. Whether it's Klain, whether it's Susan Rice, we know that... Joe Biden's not calling the shots. And I'm tired of being nice about it. He can't stand up. He can't walk upstairs. He is just out of his mind. Doesn't know that Jackie Walorski is dead, even though he just named a veteran's hospital after her a couple of weeks ago. This is not okay. And the same thing with Fetterman. I hope he gets better. I really do. Recovering from a stroke is not easy. But if you're going to Washington, you're going to have to debate on the floor. There are going to be times where you're going to have to go toe-to-toe with Ted Cruz or Rand Paul and discuss some serious issues. I don't think the dude's physically up to it. And trust me, I'm not a Dr. Oz guy. I've said this (laughs) the very beginning this guy is a zero but fetterman can you risk sending him to washington we are so polarized in this country i got into it on the brownsburg county chatterboard the other night oh that sounds like a good time oh yeah i don't do it very much anymore (laughs) because it just it just turns into everybody fighting with me because it's like oh look a local celebrity we can fight with him um but this there's a school board candidate in brownsburg who has missed she's a current member of the board who has missed Like, her attendance is so egregious, even Nigel is like, boy, you really need to show up to work. (laughs) And somebody posted the attendance, and then there's just a slew of people defending this woman going, well, she's a single mother. She has kids. It was really rough during COVID. I get it. Lots of people are single parents. It was rough for lots of people during COVID. You know why they don't run for school board? Because they can't make it to the meetings or put the time in. Yet, because she's a a reliable third vote, anytime the superintendent wants his bullcrap, or Mike Wells and Eric Hilton want their bullcrap, well, she she makes it to those meetings when it's SEL, she's there, baby. And those parents want that stuff so much that they will excuse anything. It's the same thing with Biden. They will excuse anything to keep liberalism on the tracks. What's coming up on the big show tomorrow? Well, we're going to have your co-host today, the Tonus. Tony Kennett's going to be with us, and he's going to talk about what parents should look for in school board races this fall. He's off the rails. He's Rob Kendall. Rob, thank you. It's the Hammer and Nigel Show. Be sure to catch us every weekday, 3 to 7 on 93 WIBC, or subscribe and get it right to your phone.